Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. Um, Have you ever wondered uh, what the connection is uh, between the birth of Christ uh, and your Christmas list? Uh, We know that Christmas is a time of giving gifts and making lists. Uh, But I sometimes wonder if we've lost the reason as to why we give these gifts and exchange these gifts. Uh, Over the course of Advent, over the last uh, couple of weeks, we've been on a journey uh, exploring the themes of this Advent conspiracy movement. Uh, Those themes are worship fully, spend less, uh, give more, and love all. Uh, In the first week, I actually encourage you to uh, worship fully this Advent by making sure that you're hearing songs that inspire hope and inspire worship. uh, I I love Christmas music, and and all of it is great, Uh, but make sure that in that playlist, there's some songs that are Christ-centered and pointing you to the hope and inspiration of this season. Uh, To help you do that, uh, we submitted and and kind of publicized an Emmaus Road Songs of the Season playlist. Uh, for all of you, and um, I, hope that, uh, I hope that there are on there some songs that you love. Uh, I hope that there are uh, some songs that have touched your heart, and uh, actually, would you do us a favor? We actually have no way of tracking how many of you are listening to that or enjoying that, so if, would you send us an email or a text and just say, hey, this one song or that song, uh, just give us some encouragement about that playlist. That would be great and make all of us in the office feel so much better, right? <laughs> Spread some Christmas cheer to your leadership in the church office. That would be great. Uh, we would love that. So the second week, uh, last week, we talked about a common condition that I certainly have called stuff-itis. Uh, stuff-itis. Um, it was diagnosed by Doc McStuffins. Only some of you will get that joke. Uh, but I suffer from uh, stuff-itis, and stuff-itis is the temptation uh, to derive security from having lots of stuff or to derive meaning from having the right kind of stuff. Uh, and certainly there's a lot of folks in our culture that struggle with that. And what we encouraged uh, you to do last week is we encourage you to spend less by reducing the Christmas budget, simplifying your life so that your space and your stuff reflects a Christ-centered priorities. Uh, uh, that all of the things that stuff-itis kind of tempts us to find in stuff is actually already ours in Christ. Uh, And so what I want to do today is I want to explore the question that I posed at the beginning, uh, and I want to talk about the third tenet of Advent Conspiracy, which is give more. Now, if you notice in your bulletin, uh, you'll notice that we're not perfect. Uh, So it actually has last week's uh, sermon topic and scripture. So if you're in Matthew, you're going to be in the wrong spot. Uh, So again, we we ask for grace. We need that encouragement so we can do a little better job. (laughs) Uh, You know, it seems silly, doesn't it, to talk about giving more right after a week where uh, we talked about spending less. Uh, Aren't those two sort of in conflict with one another? Can you live into those two things at the same time? Uh, And actually, that's what I want to explore this morning is how you can actually spend less and give more uh, at the same time. Um, Beginning when our girls were very young, uh, we have tried to make the celebration of Christ's birth uh, central to our Christmas celebrations. Um, and so we wanted, our girls, we wanted our girls to know that Christmas wasn't so much about the magical Santa uh, that flies all over the world as much as uh, Christmas was about God become flesh 
in Jesus Christ. Uh, now, I knew that we were doing a fairly good job of this uh, when, um, at least in principle, when Jaden's preschool teacher came to me one day after school and said, please talk to Jaden and tell her to stop telling the other kids that Santa isn't real. Uh, that's what I knew. I think in principle, we've nailed down that this is the, really about Christ. Um, so some of you are like growling at me. Yes, I was that parent, right? Uh, not intentionally, but, that, but she was just spreading the good news, right? Uh, our little evangelist. Um, but, but, but really, for all the talk of, of Jesus' birthday, uh, we, still were given, we were still giving gifts at Christmas, and lots of them. In fact, uh, the success of a Christmas was measured in trash bags, as in how many trash bags did it take for all the gift wrap and product boxes? Do you know what I mean? Uh, and, and so a lot of times, a good Christmas uh, was when four or five huge trash bags uh, had to be filled in order to dispose of all, those, of all that waste. Uh, may, perhaps maybe that's how you kind of measure the success or what is a good Christmas. Well, several years ago, we, we decided that um, we began to realize that while our girls in principle knew what Christmas was all about, uh, if we were to ask them the relationship between uh, their new pile of toys and the birth of Jesus, uh, they probably wouldn't be able to articulate the connection. And so we've been trying to change that. Uh, over the last several years, we've been thinking strategically every Christmas about how do we do Christmas a little bit differently other than just kind of flooding our children uh, with gifts. For years, in other words, we've been thinking about uh, this relationship between how do we spend less and at the very same time, how do we give more? Um, you know, history and tradition has shown us that the reason that we have, the reason we give gifts and the reason we make lists at Christmas is to actually follow in the footsteps of the Magi, uh, the Magi who came from the East and presented Jesus with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And it's crazy to see how these gifts, uh, simple, profound, but meaningful in their nature, have turned into such a season of excess and materialism. But with all the focus on the gifts of the Magi to Jesus, it's easy to overlook the actual greatest gift of all, and that is the gift of Jesus to the world. And I want to read to you a passage of Scripture that probably all of you have heard in your life. Probably a big portion of you in this room today have memorized, and it comes from John chapter 3, verse 16. It says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. In verse 17 as well. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, when I read that familiar passage of Scripture that probably all or most of you have heard, I wonder, did you catch it? For God so loved the world that he gave, right? Now, when we look at that passage of Scripture, gave and giving is the portion that we tend to skip over. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? It's, we kind of skip over the giving part. But what this passage does and what it shows us and what we celebrate at Christmas is that at the core of who God is, God is a giver. 
That God has shown us through very tangible action that he is generous toward humanity. That's good news, isn't it? I know that a lot of times we can kind of conjure up all sorts of images of of who God is and what God is like, but what we celebrate and what we reflect on at Christmas is this tremendous gift that God has given to us that ultimately at the core of who he is, God is a giver who responds generously toward humanity. And I think that's good news. I want to point out three things about this simple concept that God so loved the world that he gave. The first is that love leads to generosity, right? Love leads to generosity. Uh, If you love something, if you love someone, you tend to want to act generously toward them. Uh, And we can take this on a very sort of like baseline financial level and say, hey, if you love the idea of building wells, then there are opportunities to be generous. Uh, If you love this church, there are opportunities to be generous, right? Uh, But but there's more to it than that. That that this, if we understand that, that love leads to generosity, then we understand that the overflow of God's love for humanity was then to act generously towards those that he loves. That core to the nature of love is this desire to give. Core to the nature of love is this desire to pour itself out. Core to the nature of love is for it to be shared, right? Uh, that, that love naturally wants to be shared and poured out and selfless. In fact, the Apostle Paul will say to the church in Corinth, love is not self-serving. And so love leads to giving. And we get this, right? I mean, we get this at Christmas, of course. I mean, we want, we want to give the nicest stuff and the nicest presents to the ones that we love. Like this, this concept of love pouring out in generosity is probably most natural at Christmas. In, in most cases, it is love that motivates the huge pile of presents. That in most cases, it is love that motivates us to overextend ourselves financially because, oh, they deserve it. <laughs> and so a lot of times we understand that love gives but we may not understand what love gives. You with me? The second thing I want to point out is simply this, that God does not respond to human rebellion by giving us more stuff. But rather, He gives us His presence. You see what I did there? (laughs) He gives us Himself. In other words, God doesn't try to seek to solve the world's problem by offering more material things. God gives himself to us. He enters into the situation that he is seeking to restore. Let that sink in. God enters into the very situation that he is seeking to restore. In other words, God is not a God who heals from a distance. That's what Christmas shows us. Christmas shows us that God is not the kind of God who says, oh man, you guys really messed things up, so zap, I'm going to fix it in an instant. Or zap, I'm going to fix it from a distance. But rather, the God that we serve is the kind of God who looks and says, oh man, you've kind of messed things up, and you've rebelled, and, and all these things are run amok, and so now I'm going to enter in. 
And it's a beautiful truth that we celebrate at this time of year. And Jesus doesn't restore by way of accumulation, but rather God brings healing, renewal, restoration, and salvation by way of life-giving relationship. I want to say that again. God brings healing, renewal, restoration, and salvation by way of life-giving relationship. Now, if you suffer from stuffitis, like I do, uh, then you may have had times in your life where you thought stuff could solve your problems. Or that maybe stuff would make your problems less painful, right? So, I, I mean, a little bit of vulnerability here, but have you ever thought, you know, this guilt would just go away if I had me some stuff? <laughs> uh, this pain would ease if I just had more stuff. Uh, the disappointment would feign if I just had some more stuff, right? Uh, sometimes we, we tend to think that we can, we can medicate through accumulation. We can solve our problems by just accumulating more things. But here's what the gift of relationship does. The gift of relationship and presence shows us that accumulation is bad medicine. Now, if I were going to write the lyric of a rap song, and I can't think of any circumstance in which I would actually write the lyric of a rap song, but I would probably say something like this. We can't accumulate in order to medicate. God becomes flesh in order to relate and demonstrate how to end the hate. And you wondered what Pastor Andy does all day. That's, that's it. That's right there. It, like, it came to me this week, and I'm like, how do I fit that in? And how about I just preface it by saying, if I were writing a rap song, this is what I might say. So um, anyway, so that's, that's that. <laughs> so love leads to generosity, and God does not seek to solve human rebellion or respond to human rebellion with more stuff, but rather by giving his presence himself. And then this, for God so loved the world that he gave, incarnation shows us and points us to the reality that God can be trusted. Have you ever heard the argument that, that God, is, um, God is either good or he is powerful, but he can't be both? Uh, some, some folks might say that if God is all-powerful, then he should just fix everything. And if he's not fixing everything, then clearly he's not good. Or he might say, oh, he's, he's good, but he's clearly not powerful enough to fix everything. So you can't have both. Uh, and therefore, God can't be trusted. Because you don't want to serve a God who's powerful but not good. And, a, and a someone who's good but not powerful isn't worthy of our worship. You see, you see where, where I'm going with the argument? A lot of people have that. But incarnation shows us that, in fact, God can be trusted. Because Christmas... Christmas is where God shows his hand and says, this is who I really am. Christmas is where God shows his hand. and he's, Christmas is where we celebrate a God who says, you know what, I'm the kind of God who refuses to be distant. He's the kind of God who chooses to enter in. He's the kind of God who would trade a position of privilege in order to take on frailty. He's the kind of God 
who packages the infinite in a finite body. Only to raise that body incorruptible. I love Christmas. Because Christmas is where we see the true colors of who God is. Where God fully shows his hand. Or, as Ricky Bobby once said, everybody loves baby Jesus. <laughs> and for good reason, right? Because baby Jesus is, is where we get an understanding of this is the kind of God that we serve. That this is a God who can be trusted. And so when we look at this idea of giving more, uh, it, it isn't just about let's spend less on ourselves so that we can give more uh, toward worthy causes. That's, that's a part of it, but I didn't want to preach on that. Uh, because giving more has, when we look at the Christmas story, there's more weight to it than just our checkbook. It's kind of like, yeah, it's our checkbook, but it's more than that. You understand? And so when we see the character of who God is, for God so loved the world that he gave, then how do we begin to apply this to our own Christmases and to our own lives? Well, part of the idea of this series is that I end every message with a very practical thing, something very, very tangible that we can get our hands on. And so um, here's what I want to encourage us to do in light of this truth, that God is at his core a giver who who is generous toward humanity. Uh, and the kind of gift that he has given is his presence, is himself. Uh, I want to encourage you to actually follow, not in the footsteps of the Magi, who offered gifts, worthy gifts, good gifts. We'll probably talk about those gifts on, on Epiphany. But rather, follow in the footsteps of God who gave presents. So my encouragement to you, very practically, is to give the gift of presence that is yourself this Christmas. Christmas lists might be filled with toys and products, but I encourage you to give gifts of presence or experience. In other words, instead of those clothes that they will, might never wear, how about a trip that they'll never forget? Or instead of toys that they'll likely forget about by February, how about a year's worth of dates with mom and dad? Instead of buying piles of stuff for the grandkids, why not pass along a skill or a passion of yours to the next generation? Um, one of the strategies that Amy and I employed those many years ago or several years ago when we were trying to think, how do we live into this more intentionally uh, we landed on this, and we've done this kind of in, with different variations each year, but uh, we decided we're going to get our girls three things. Uh, something you want, uh, something you need, and something to read. <laughs> now, when they were little and they were reading books, it was just looking at the pictures, right? Uh, but it was still the same concept. Get them a picture book that they love to flip through the pictures. Something you want something you need and something to read. Three gifts from mom and dad. Um, what we've decided to do this year, and we've done this um, most years, is that for the something you want, uh, we've decided that we're not gonna get them any kind of product at all. But rather we're gonna get them uh, intentional time and experiences with mom and dad. Uh, and so the something they want will just be 
uh, a coupon book that says you can turn these coupons in and uh, Jaden loves baseball like I do and so uh, the experience is let's go to a Rockies game, you and I. Now, sometimes giving more means spending more. <laughs> you know, like when you're giving experience, sometimes it's more expensive, right? But it's also more valuable. You see what I'm saying? So like I could spend X amount of dollars on the plastic thing that's forgotten by February, or I could spend a little more dollars and give them an experience of a ballpark, afternoon, an afternoon at the ballpark with dad. And so we've kind of gone exclusively in the category of what you want, something you want, is just time and experiences. Um, I don't know if the shoe fits, but for us, don't, don't fall on that. Um, <laughs> I don't know if the shoe fits, but for us, it's, it's really been great uh, to kind of just move into that so that we uh, really aren't buying our girls any kind of product unless they need it or unless they can read it. See what I'm saying? Okay, so that's my first encouragement of giving presents. Uh, the second one is... Um, to be fully present throughout the year. Like, well, part of the beauty of Advent Conspiracy and kind of getting us to focus on these four themes is that all of a sudden it becomes not just about what we do at Christmas, but it actually becomes what we can begin to do throughout the entire year. Uh, and so if we're talking about giving presents, what would happen if we were more fully intentionally present throughout the year? Um, and this, it's really easy to get caught up in something that's going on either in our own little worlds, right? So that we kind of get a narrow focus and we, and we become almost completely detached of, of how this or that might impact other people because we're so narrowly focused on our own experience. Or here's the reality. Sometimes we can be so concerned on what um, might be happening somewhere else that we aren't really present with the people that are right in front of us. Um, and you know what I mean, right? Something that m might be happening somewhere else. What's the portal to something that might be happening somewhere else, right? The portal is that thing in your pocket or purse right now. This, that little screen is a portal to something in the world that might be happening. And sometimes we forego what is happening for what might be happening. I'll be the first to raise my hand guilty, okay? So what would happen, though, if when we talk about giving more and we're actually talking about love being poured out, what would happen if we just were kind of more intentionally present? Uh, so my encouragement is actually to seek to be mindful and present to whomever you are with. Parents, when was the last time that you were full, that your children had your full and undivided attention? so that you could be fully present to their needs, tuned into how they feel and what they are experiencing. If you're anything like me, then the games and the toys that are riveting to a grade school child might seem just a little dull, and you would be tempted to, to think, what else is going on in the world? So I'm going to like multitask on the portal to the rest of the world while I'm also staying halfway present to this world. Come on, I'm not the only one, right? So, so one of the things that I'm challenging myself with is when I'm playing school with my first grader, let's just play school, right? 
or when I'm playing Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza, you have to try this game. It is like phenomenal. Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza. Google it, order it on Amazon. It's amazing. Then that's all I'm doing, right? Um, so it's just a little commercial. I get no commission off of that. Um, or friends, like when was the last time you had a dinner without the interruption of cell phones? Or families, when was the last time you had dinner together? Be fully present to one another. And I know that these are difficult things, uh, but right now I'm convinced that one of the best ways forward for our families, for our churches, for our communities, and for the world is to be present to one another. And I think that we could just start a movement, right? Of just like, like let's just, let's give more presence to one another. Because the greatest gift that has ever been given is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us. So give the gift of presence this year and next. And by doing so, you will be giving more and spending less at the very same time. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the great gift that you have given to us in Jesus Christ. The infinite taking on the finite. The privileged taking on the frail. God, you have shown your hand you have demonstrated what you are really like. And we are struck with awe and wonder of who you are. So God, may we respond in kind by seeking to give presence to one another and to be fully present to you, to your promptings in our life, to your leading, to your love. So God, thank you that you so loved the world that you gave your one and only son that whoever puts their trust in him can have life and life eternal. We give you thanks and we give you praise today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.